Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Angela Jarabek. Angela is a founder and executive director of the Bar Center. Jarabek developed the Bar Model 20 years ago and has expanded it from one school in the Midwest to more than 200 schools. She has published five books, several op-eds and articles in various publications, including being featured in USA Today, National Public Radio, and CNBC. She has also presented at the White House at the Evidence in Education Roundtable in 2016. She, her education includes an MS in counseling psychology, a BA in music, and outside of work, she enjoys time with her family, friends, music, golfing, reading, and the outdoors. Welcome to the podcast, Angela. Thank you so much for having me. Well, tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to crawl out. Sure. So um, this really goes back to the origination of the building assets, reducing risks model, bar model. So um, 1999, it was my fifth year that I was working as a counselor in a first ring suburb outside of Minneapolis and half the kids failed a class. And it was the fifth year that that had happened. And so I actually went into the principal to say, I think I should resign. Clearly I'm not getting this job done and I'm not serving kids well. And he quickly reframed things and said, this isn't you. It's not our school. About half the ninth graders in our nation fail a course and said, I encourage you to come up with a different way, different system, different idea. And so that really sparked a kind of a, a bigger thought process for me. And actually, um, I was a couple of weeks later playing with my kids. At the time, my son was six months. My daughter was four years old. And I looked over and my four-year-old daughter had grabbed a handful of crayons and went to take a bite out of them. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing great in my job. No, I'm not doing great as a parent. I kind of thought we are past a crayon eating stage. So um, when things were down for me, I tended to call my grandma. That's kind of my go-to. So I call my grandma and she doesn't miss a beat. And she immediately launches into the fact that, you know, when she'd been at Sunday school with my daughter the week before, there was a little girl who was really shy and my daughter had helped. And then she'd been at the playground with her and she was really brave on the monkey star, monkey bars. And all of a sudden I realized I was a better parent because I had information about my child when I wasn't there. And in particular, yeah. often about things that were going well. And I then realized teachers don't have that. Teachers have their 43 minutes that Miss Raider is teaching and they get to see that only. And they don't see what happens in the rest of their day. So like, even though she's struggling in math, she might be doing great in English, let alone the information I had as a counselor to be like, she's really involved in the community service and she's super involved in her synagogue. Like right. no one else knows that. So I kept thinking this is how we have to redo the system. We need to really focus on relationships and relationships need to be staff to student, student to student and staff to staff. And we need to focus on data. When I say data, it's like, we need to focus on sharing information about the student. So it's not just me interacting with the student in my grade book, but other people can see how they're doing in my class. And I need to really be um, focused on qualitative data. What did I see when I walked past that lunchroom? Kind of what happened at recess? What's all those other pieces and how do I put that together and focus on what is working? What is the strength of the student? Very much like my grandma did, where it's like your kid's doing well in a lot of things and then move from there. So that really is kind of the fundamentals of BAR. 
So I put bar in place and our failure rate cut in half in the first year. And then I kept thinking, boy, this should work any place because I'm not changing really? master schedule. I'm not adding technology. This really is using the students and staff we have there, but working in a different way. So over the next 10 years, it was just at my school. And during that time, the failure rate not only stayed in half, but we had this exponential number of students taking honors courses. Um, and then we made the ACT college and career going model of the year. And that's when I started applying for research grants. And so BARS had more research done than any other program right now in the country. So we did randomized control trials, kind of the most rigorous research you can do with 78 schools in suburban, urban, rural, charter, publics, um, all across the country, really saying, does this system work when you're focused on this? And um, absolutely, we have 20 statistical significant in impacts to be like, it's better for staff, Staff is more effective, they're more satisfied, but students are doing better on test scores, they're doing better in terms of their experience. And so that was how I came out of the trenches. Yeah, yeah, and definitely seeing it um, years later and how um, you know the failure rate has stayed low yeah. for schools and the schools that you're working with. So the bar model uh, works with schools across the US. Um, also, are you working with schools internationally? We, we have done some, um, uh, international consult consulting, but we don't have any bar schools international yet, but okay. very open if any listeners are on to be like, I have a school, it'd be great to work with. So let's talk about some of your books. Um, so I wanted to talk about building assets and reducing risks, uh, which kind of ties into your uh, trench story um, yeah. and how you looked at uh, the problem of failing grades, substance use, truancy in the Minneapolis area. Mm -hmm. So the book really um, ties into actually doing the model. So it really is focusing on how do we focus on the whole student? And we know that in particular, those risk behaviors exhibit themselves often as an early indication in terms of not engaging in school. So what is their attendance, their behaviors, their coursework, those ABCs? And how does that show up? And we know oftentimes students who are not engaged in um in school, then also end up showing those risk behaviors. So our initial funding source for BAR was actually looking at risk reduction. So they were measuring cigarette use, alcohol use, and suicide ideation and suicide attempts. And BAR absolutely made a huge impact on that, which is how NREP then ended up accrediting our model to say that you are an effective evidence-based prevention model. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. And so um, when you're working uh, with schools and, and preventing uh, the failure rate, low, uh, helping them lower absences, um, how much time do you usually uh, tell schools it'll take because it's not going to be a one and done, like right. maybe a five-year plan, maybe longer. Yeah. So we actually found it's a three-year model. So uh, we coach and train a school for three years. And okay. after three years, the majority of our schools are able to really self-sustain this new way of operation. But it uh, it is a, a pretty robust um, training and coaching model. So we go in with two trainers and train the whole staff. And then that school gets a dedicated coach that's going to be working really closely with them. So like at, at minimum, they'll be talking weekly. Some talk even more frequently. That coach is going to come out four times during the course of the year to be looking at those observations, focusing on that staff to student and staff to staff relationship. And then how is the school working with the community? So I'll go back to kind of some, one of the things about out of the trenches is I'm so 
um, aware of the fact that if we put an expectation onto the teachers to say, I want you to look for those students who are at risk or concerns, you need to have community resources for them because otherwise that teacher is just taking yet another stress on and they're not able to respond to that to that student. So really making sure that we've got community resources in place is something else that we're really trying to focus on. Mm -hmm. So with the bar model, it's more of involving the whole school in reducing the absence um, and the behaviors. Um, a lot of schools I've been in, it's often been just the admin team and maybe some people that are on the attendance committee, right? But you're really working that everybody's taking part in um, getting community involvement, reaching out to parents and stakeholders. It is actually, it's really um, acknowledging and respecting the, the power of the classroom teachers because our classroom teachers are the ones who are really seeing the, the, the students. And they also are the ones that if they are working together, they can have a much more robust picture of that student and come up with incredibly innovative solutions. So I think that once again, when they can actually find time to be like, oh, here's actually the barrier for data, they can come up with a solution, which is very empowering for the classroom teachers. So we are really saying, we know you can figure this out if you actually have the ability to, to, to see the, the issue. And I think that in particular, those failure rate drops, that's classroom teachers. Definitely. So right now we're recording just a few weeks before your national conference. Uh, yes. So uh, this episode will come out after the conference, but you usually have it at the end of April. And this year it's in Rancho Mirage. Um, and you'll be doing one of the keynotes to so talk a little bit about how you plan for the national conference, uh, when listeners can expect to submit a, a proposal for 2024, if they're interested in that, uh, yeah. kind of a, about what some of the sessions this year will be about and kind of the size of the conference as well. Sure. So, um, our conference has been such a fantastic kind of organic growth. So the, the work of BAR really started as a research study. So we were doing research, doing research. And as part of the research, we brought the schools together to be able to say, here's how you conduct clean research. So the data that's coming in, we can really believe. Well, just like we believe our teachers are more effective when they work together, we believe our schools are more effective when they work together. So we once a month bring our schools together to be able to do virtual meetings, but then our conference is them coming together in person. So we'll have about 600 people again um, from all across the country. And I, one of the things I love about our conference is there's classroom teachers, there's administration, there's state superintendents, there's policymakers, there's researchers. So um, we have charters, we have publics, but like so many conferences often are like, this is the union conference, this is the teacher conference. So one of the things I just really so appreciate is it's geographically, you know, distributed. So we have, you know, rural Maine, rural Kentucky, as well as, you know, Compton, California, all together. And I think that that just shows the power of our educators. So when they come together, we've got great keynote speakers, but then we have breakout sessions that our schools are also leading. So they're able to share the work that they are doing with this system. So focused on relationships and data, the successes they're having and be able to share that with the other schools. And so it tends to be a really animated, excited group as they are able to continue to kind of grow their network. So we also have sessions that are just for administrators and then, you know, kind of continuing to be able to, to support this work. In terms of, um, uh, we'll be opening up this summer 
um, kind of our securing our, our, our dates. We're always like right there in the end of April. Um, and um, if people want to submit a proposal, those will be coming out. And if you continue to follow our website, it would be fantastic to have that. Yeah, it sounds like um, really an opportunity for schools to share their yeah. successes and also maybe for schools that are uh, newer bar model schools to uh, learn from those who have been uh, working with you for a while. It also is a, a really great time because like our keynotes really are focused on national um, issues that are happening in education also. So I think it's both the day-to-day, but then being able to say kind of here's what you know nationally is happening in terms of our our, our landscape, I think it really is empowering to our educators to have that access to that that type of um, thinking policy work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, speaking of policy work, uh, you told me that you've been uh, working a little bit uh, with the Minnesota legislation. So talk to me a little bit about this proposed legislation. I sure will. So Minnesota, um, we had many schools that initially participated in those research studies that I had referenced in the in the beginning. And the schools that have done BAR, not only love BAR, but want to expand BAR. So they want it in more schools in their district or they want to be in the neighboring districts. So we have over 100 plus schools that have come forward saying, I want to do this BAR system. Um, and securing funding has ended up being a little bit tricky. So because our research is so strong, we are listed as a evidence for ESSA tier one intervention for math. For all as well as struggling and for reading for all and for struggling and SEL and prevention of drugs and equity, which you would think would be a fantastic thing. But what actually happens is there really isn't money to do systems level work. So like when the federal government distributes funds to the state levels, it goes to these different areas, you know, the Office of De- you know, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, or goes to SEL. So now schools to access funds to do systems level work and is a larger barrier than we had anticipated. So based on that, we um, chose to propose some legislation to both get funding for school, but also bring this larger issue to this bigger conversation to say, if we're wanting schools to do systems level work, we need to align the funding to it. Because I also understand if I'm in charge of you know, SEL at the state level, why would I use all of my funds and oversee something when I know it's going to have math outcomes and reading outcomes and other pieces? So for a school to do it, they're having to cobble all these different buckets together and it becomes a, you know, um, who's coordinating it? How is it working? And that same issue exists at the state. So we brought forward this um, proposal and we're really excited because we got bipartisan authorship. So in particular with education, that was really exciting that, you know, right across the aisle, people saw the absolute value in how do we, you know, provide our schools with these systems. But what I will tell you, one of the things that I was absolutely blown away by is I knew the metrics for the schools were really strong. What I got to hear is, and when we testified, we had our teachers come forward. So we had schools from rural Minnesota as well as urban Minnesota. They came forward to testify the legislation and their lived experience was so powerful that like we know we have statistical significance in that they're more effective and more satisfied, but them being able to tell the legislature that I can realize my talent and why I chose to do this profession in this system when I'm no longer working alone and I'm working with others and I can meet kids needs. And I have to say that that has been just incredibly 
um, humbling. And I'm so pleased that they've been able to tell their story. Because I keep going, our teachers are so talented. I believe any educator who chose this profession is phenomenal. I believe our students are incredibly gifted. I believe the issue has been a misalignment of our system. Our, we built our system a real long time ago and we need to revise it. And so how do we do that? And, you know, bars is a way to do that. But now how do we get funding for schools to choose to do that? Yeah, so you're working a lot with um, the state legislature and then just getting those people also to talk about their experience goes a long way. And, Absolutely. Yeah, having policymakers hear how it works. Good, good. Um, so we've had a good conversation today about the work of the Bar Center, how schools that are interested uh, may benefit from working with the Bar Center, your conference, uh, some about your books. Out of everything we talked about on the podcast today, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember? I think one of the things I'd love the listeners to, to really remember is the fact that um, uh, our staff really is incredibly gifted. And so are our students. The fact that every school we've worked in has had these tremendous outcomes and they're not changing their staff and they're not changing their students. So by putting the right system in place, we're actually able to realize the talent that exists there. So I feel like a whole lot of um, students are blamed for not doing well or staff is being blamed where it's like they're incredibly capable. So if we get the right system and we can actually see that talent blossom. Yeah, and that's really, um, I think, is the right way to go because we've had too many schools with high staff turnover and students who want to transfer to a different school. So, yep. yeah, we all we all want that for our uh, our students to have like teachers who enjoy working there. Yeah, Absolutely. so where can people find you? Connect with the Bar Center online and uh, connect with you on social media. Yes, so um, www bar, B-A-R-R, center.org is our, our website. And that's probably the best way to find us. Great, great. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for being on the Out of the Trenches podcast. It's been a pleasure. Perfect. Thank you. My book, Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. You can access it through Amazon. You can buy it at the Road to Awesome website, or you can get it through my website at danagoodier.com. Please re- leave a review, and you can also access it on Kindle. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC.